0: Thank you for listening to the Faith Bible Church podcast. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit us at faithbiblemd.org. A big decision this week. We already mentioned in prayer time, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. So, you know, it's uh, summer. It means it's uh, burned the cities down season. And uh, that's what you're supposed to do when things don't go your way. You scream, rage, and burn everything down. One of the leaders even said, we will defy the Supreme Court. Because nobody likes to submit. I don't either. I'm not a very agreeable person. If I think something's wrong, I don't want to submit to it. Matter of fact, if I'm being honest, I don't like to be told what to do. My natural tendency is to want to be the boss and do whatever I feel like doing. I kind of grew up in that defiant air, singing Beastie Boys songs. You know, you gotta fight for your right to see. Some of you know that song, Party. Yeah. Okay. It's really hard to try to convince people to submit and be willing to do as they're told, but that's exactly what this sermon will be about, being subject, being obedient, and submitting. I'm sure nobody really likes the thought of that, probably not a very catchy title. Nevertheless, by the end of this message, my aim is to have you already willing and able to be subjects not to me, per se, but to Jesus. Is everybody okay? Okay. Oh, all right. No big deal. I thought there was something happening there. If it's water, don't worry about it. It'll all run down here to me, and it's fine. Nobody peed. Don't worry about it. Back to being subject to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 5. Hebrews 2, verse number 5 says, He did not subject to angels the world to come concerning which we are speaking, but one has testified somewhere saying, what is man that you remember him? Or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have appointed him over the works of your hand. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. But for in subjecting all things to him, He left nothing that is not subject to him, but now we do not yet see all things subject to him. But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of, our, of their salvation through suffering. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children whom God has given to me. Therefore, since the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels. But he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of all the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he's now able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Ah, That's a lot in there, isn't it? See what we're going to do with that. Last week, We answered the big question, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? You guys remember that. The first service did not. I'm very proud of you. We really wanted to understand Jesus is our salvation. The bulk of the audience here in Hebrews are Jews who had believed in Jesus as the Messiah. But due to the persecution and their unfulfilled expectations, they're wavering in their commitment. They had preconceived ideas of what the Messiah was going to do, but these ideas have yet to come to pass. What is Jesus the Messiah doing? Maybe they're confused. Maybe they're frustrated and thus tempted to drift from Jesus back to Judaism. But there is no other plan for salvation. It's Jesus or nothing, we learn. Okay, but what of their unfulfilled expectations? The Messiah was going to be the king who would reign. Where is he? Where is his reign? So in order for the people to be confident in their faith, they need to understand what exactly their king did and what he's currently doing. And once they understand their leader, they can understand how he's leading and thus what he's asking of us. And that's what we got to get our heads around today. We want to understand what Jesus, our leader, is doing, and therefore what we are supposed to be doing as his followers. It's really not complicated. But it is hard to do the things you're supposed to do when they don't feel good and when they're contrary to your human nature, especially when we are children. I look at the trash can, and it's full, and I say, I need to take the trash out. I need to. It's not what I want to do. What I want to do is just sit on the couch, eat some snacks, and binge watch some programs, right? Don't feel like bothering with the trash. However, since I don't want to live in a stinky house, and I don't want a bug infestation, and I don't really like to live like a pig, I will do the dirty job and take the trash can bag out. And then I will go to all of the rooms in the house all the bathrooms, and get all the rest of the trash. And I will take it then to the dumpster, and I'll throw it in, and then I will come back. Watch this one, ladies. I will get a new trash bag, and I'll put that one in. And then I will sit down and eat snacks and watch the show. 27 years of marriage, Ah, I'm well trained. That's what I'm going to do. When I was a kid, I didn't care about any of that. Bugs and smells didn't bother me. I just wanted to watch my cartoons. And mom would say, take out the trash. And I'm just I'm feeling like I don't want to. That feeling is so strong when you're a kid. The job seems so big. It's going to take so much time. Oh, what an ordeal. And my feelings of not wanting to govern my attitudes and my impact and my desire. It impacted my desire to serve. And as a parent, you can explain bugs and smells and the virtues of cleanliness. And as a parent, you can explain the uh, concept of chores and wanting to develop good habits in your child. And you can explain the biblical principle of children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is good. And you explain the bigger picture. I, the parent, pay the electrical bill that keeps said TV on so you can watch cartoons. I, the parent, pay for said milk and cereal that you want to eat while watching cartoons. I handle all these responsibilities. I work 40 hours a week, shoulder all these obligations. The least you can do is take 10 minutes and take out the trash. You can explain all that, but it's just so much time and energy, it's just easier to say, take it out because I said so. Do it. Or no TV. Now, the author of Hebrews is very mature, and he's not going to give us because I said so answers. He's actually going to explain all the reasons. He's going to give great detail. He wants us to understand our Messiah and be thoroughly convinced of and committed to our faith in Jesus. So one of the detailed reasons why we shouldn't drift from Jesus is because he is better than those angels. We already learned this. His name is better than the angels' names. His message is more sure than the angels' message. But also today, we see that Jesus is better than angels because of his status and his actions. What he's done and what he continues to do is so much better. So let's start with that. What is Jesus' status? Verse number eight. You have put all things in subjection under his feet for in subjecting all things to him you left nothing that is not subject to him all things are subject to jesus now we've already learned a fair bit about angels the big takeaway is angels are powerful spirit beings who were created to worship and to serve and minister god that's what it said in chapter 1 verse 7 who makes angels his winds and ministers of a flame of fire but not just God, chapter 1, verse 14, are they not all ministering spirits sent to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? So they're sent to serve, minister to the people who inherit salvation. That's quite a thing. These powerful spirit beings were created to minister even to us. They're created to serve us. But not all of them like that. And led by Lucifer, the most powerful angel ever created, one-third of these spirit beings rebelled from their created purpose to serve God and to serve us. And that's important to understand. Six times in this chapter, the author used the word subject, subjugation, hupotasso, to submit, to be under obedience. Important statements right here in verse number five. He did not subject to angels the world to come. The world is not subject to angels. We are not subject to angels. We are not to bow down. We're not to serve. We're not to obey angels. We are created to serve God. They were created to serve God and to serve us. And that is what the spiritual battle that we talked about is all about. This is the big issue. Do the angels accept their created purpose, They're ministering spirits? The world is not subject to them. Well, guess what? Two-thirds of them accept that responsibility. One-third rebelled and do not serve God, and they do not want to minister to us. Instead, they want us to serve them. They wanted freedom from God. They wanted freedom to do whatever they felt like doing. Lucifer especially wanted to be like the Most High. Isaiah chapter 14, the prophet tells us, how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the Mount of Congregation to the farthest sides of the north; I will ascend to the heights of the clouds and I will be like the Most High, yet you shall be brought down to the grave, to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. He wanted to rule, but he can't rule heaven because he's not powerful enough to kick God off of his throne. He was cast out of heaven. He's a fallen angel, as Jesus testified. Luke chapter 10 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. The fallen angels' desire and their lust for freedom and not to serve God, to not be subject to God's created order, resulted in their literal downfall. So Satan comes down to earth and he strategizes. You know, God gave dominion over the earth to man. Remember that in Genesis? Remember he said that? He said, to man, you have dominion. Be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. Satan's thinking to himself, you know, God said the earth subject to man. Since we can't steal God's throne, let's steal man's throne. Let's subject man under us. God wanted us to serve man. No way. Let's get him to serve us. But they're spirit beings, and they have to stay in their spiritual domain. They can, as we saw, interact with the physical world, but they can only do so much or else they'll get in big trouble. I don't want to get into all the details of that, but we know this. They already tried. Some of them tried, and it ended very badly as Jude testifies, the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment till the great day. So Satan knows about that. He doesn't want to get chained up yet. He's going to try to avoid that. But he has, starts by selling man on the same lie that he believed. What was his lie? You can be like God genesis chapter 3 as the story goes the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts of the field which the lord god had made and he said to the woman god really said you're not to eat of every tree in the garden and the woman said to the serpent we may eat of the trees of the of the garden but the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden god said you should not eat it you shouldn't touch it or else you'll die and the serpent said you'll not die God knows the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So he sells man on this idea of disobeying God for the express purpose to be like God. Now, the crazy thing about that is, is we were already like God. Think on this verse right here in chapter 2, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from where? One father for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And he quotes some passages. I will proclaim your name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation and sing of your praise. I will put my trust in him and behold I and the children whom God has given me. We were made In God's image, Genesis tells us, we were given dominion over the earth. We were made perfect without sin, and we were not going to die. And God even came and spent time in the garden with Adam and Eve. They had everything they needed, direct access to the divine. But Satan plants this idea. All that God created you to be, all that you have, it's not enough. You can have more if you disobey God. And it's the same lie that he's telling everyone today. It works. It works. He, he tricks man into disobedience. And, and in doing so, man becomes guilty of sin and destined to death, just like said in Genesis. Now, we have this weakness, a limitation that Satan can exploit. Man is now subject to death and we're afraid of death. Satan's immortal, it doesn't, he doesn't die. So he makes it seem like he somehow has control of death and he uses this illusion, he uses this lie that he can control death to subject people into slavery. He uses our fear of death to manipulate us. Verse 14, look at what the author said. Therefore, since the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all of their lives. Who through fear of death are subject to slavery all of their lives. We would call that tyranny, right? If someone says, obey me or else I will kill you, people say, oh, oh, that guy's bigger and stronger than me. I don't, I don't want to die. So I guess I better submit myself to them. The Jews know all about this because that's their whole history. All the empires of the world, Egypt, Syria, Philistines, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and in this time, who? The Roman Empire. These Jewish believers, they even got now a double dose of it, exceptionally hard for them, because the Sanhedrin, the nation of Israel's leaders, they're using the same tactic. Obey us, or else we'll kill you. Now, this tyrannical use of death. To control people that all the empires of the world have used. Who's behind that? Who controls all these empires? Who do they worship? False gods, also known as demons, fallen angels, and ultimately, as Jason said, Satan. Satan. That's it. That's what's been going on for thousands of years. So do you understand what Satan has done? He has stolen our dominion of the earth away from man, and by fear of death, he's gotten man to build a tyrannical system that is serving him. And it starts with a lie. You can be like God. You can be free to do whatever you want. You gotta fight for your right to party. But the lie ends up in death, in slavery, because of the fear of death. It's a powerful lie. He's using it on us today. For many years, the West was promoting great Freedoms and liberties, and the greatest thing you could have is personal freedoms. And people of the world for millennia had suffered under slavery and endure- endured tyranny, and were born entrapped in subjugation. Monarchs and dictators and popes had total power over the masses. The individual had little to no say, right? You know your history. That's all that was going on. The whims of rulers, who were often insane, could destroy your entire life, and there was nothing you could do about it. But then we had this great revolution that brought this change, and this new era of liberty was birthed, and Americans claimed their God-given rights and freedoms. And we, the people, took back dominion over this part of the world, this part of the earth. It was a wonderful gift. It's a blessing to cherish. And we'll celebrate that next week, right? Well, guess what? Satan knows how to steal that away. He's done it before. uses the exact same strategy again. By getting people to abuse their liberties and reject the idea of serving one another and serving God... To become self-serving, we became tyrannical over each other. For many people, freedom is just an occasion to cast off restraints and self-control and indulge their lusts. The pursuit of happiness for many is the pursuit of greed and debauchery. Live your life however you want. You're free to do whatever makes you feel good. Do what you wilt. That is a Satanist motto, by the way. You may have heard that before. It's on T-shirts. You can buy that now. Do what you will. Just do what makes happy and live life to the fullest. But then the West had a philosophical change. And a lot of us older people in here, like myself, we kind of remember it really took an interesting turn in 2001 when that whole 9-11 thing happened, right? Because safety and security became a bigger priority than your freedoms. And people don't care so much about personal rights and freedoms. Just keep us safe keep us safe from disease, keep us safe from terrorism, keep us safe from mean words, save us from ourselves, take our rights away so long as nobody gets hurt anymore. And once again, America, just like the rest of humanity, is being herded into slavery because of fear of death. We're Being herded into slavery because of this, as he puts it, fear of death. The world is ultimately, this is where it's going, ultimately going to be subject under a global government that's ultimately controlled by Satan. We're not there yet, but boy, oh boy, paces is really picking up in recent times. It is coming, and if you don't obey, if you don't submit, you're going to be killed. How do I know? I read the prophecies. Revelation chapter 20, verse number four, says in this slide right here, <laughs> Then I saw the souls of those who were beheaded, beheaded for their witness to Jesus, for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast and the image and had not received his mark in their foreheads and in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. They were beheaded because they wouldn't submit to this coming one world government, and that's the ultimate plan. Subjection of everyone and everything under the ultimate rule of Satan. But understand this. As we saw here, it's not Satan's right to rule over us. This message of being Subject is not about being subject to evil forces. God did not subject to the angels the world to come. All things were put under whose subjection? Verse number eight. That's right. It's the right answer. Always is. Jesus. All things were subject to him and he left nothing that is not subject to him. Jesus is going to take dominion over the earth He's going to rule as the son of God and the son of man, putting man back in his rightful place in dominion. And one day we will no longer be slaves to sin. We will no longer be saves, slaves to death. Well, hallelujah, praise the Lord, pass the ammo. But see, here's a problem. That's not what the audience is experiencing. Jesus is not ruling them. Who's ruling them? Rome, right? The false gods of Rome seem to be winning. So if Jesus is so much better, why are we taking this beat down? Why are we in fear of our lives? And the author even admits this fact. In verse number eight, he says, but now we do not yet see all things subject to him. Yeah, that's accurate. was back then and still is today. Look at our society. Do you you see things in subjection to Jesus? I, I see a lot of perversion and injustice. I see killing and death and Still, even though we changed Roe versus Wade, there's still millions of babies being slaughtered at the hands of their own parents. I see people who are hungry and starving to death all over the world. While there's wars and lands over resources and the government agencies are creating viruses that they're unleashing on the populations. Is this Jesus' idea of a glorious, righteous kingdom? Well, we don't see all things subject to him, you think? Understatement of the year the Messiah is the king who's supposed to reign. If that's his status, where is he? Where's the rule? What's Jesus doing? I don't know. That's the end of the sermon. No, it's not. This is where we get our heads around subjection. Obedience. Serving. Verse number nine. But we do, not, but we do see him who was made for a little while. What? lower than the angels, Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. It was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the author of their salvation, through suffering. Hmm. Jesus chose to be made lower than the angels. Jesus is being put under subjection. Why? the taste. Taste death for everyone. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Because Paul puts it this way. You might, you might know this one. Starting in verse number 3. <clears throat> this is his instructions to us. The church. Paul says. Philippians 2 verse 3. Do nothing out of selfishness or empty conceit. But... With humility of mind, regard one another as more important to yourselves. Do not merely look at your own personal interests. Look on the interest of others. Having this attitude in yourself, which was also in who? Christ Jesus, although he existed in the form of God. Did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself, taking on the form of a, what? Bondservant, a slave In being made in the likeness of man, being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient, there's the hupotazo, to what? The point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus, our king, models servant leadership, humbling himself, becoming humanity to taste death for everyone. And Hebrews says, verse number 11, For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And and then he gives some passages. I will proclaim your name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will put my trust in him. Behold, I and the children whom God gives to me. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who has the power of death, that is the devil. So, this is what Jesus does. He, he serves men and he washes his disciples' feet and he becomes obedient to the point of death. This is our servant king. The angels who were created to minister and obey rebel and say, We will not submit, we will rule. And Jesus, who created them all, says, I will obey and I will serve. And he comes to earth as a human and he heals the sick and he casts out the demons and people repent of their sin. And Satan says, stop messing up my dominion over man, Jesus, or else I'll have you tortured and put to death. And Jesus says, go ahead. He would not be herded into slavery through fear of death. And so they killed him, but that's okay. That was exactly what he planned to do. By the grace of God, he tasted death for us to perfect our salvation through suffering. Our salvation comes through Jesus' service and suffering and obedience unto death. And through Jesus being subject, we now have salvation. The king wasn't coming to kill and conquer all the people Ah, and conquer us. He was coming to save us, to bring many sons and daughters to glory. Like I said earlier, God's original design for humanity was not for us to be enemies and to be slaves to him. He wants a family relationship. He loves you. He loves you. He wants you to be a daughter. He wants you to be a son. And the only way that we could be brought to glory and have our sins atoned for was through a blood sacrifice. So Jesus had to lay aside his glory, become literal flesh and blood, become man so that he could be the blood sacrifice. Only Jesus, the sinless son of God, could atone for your sins. And Jesus humbled himself unto death in order to pay the price of all of our sins and to buy us back. Verse 14, since the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless those who has the power. He might free us from the, sub, the, the fear of death. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives helps to the descendants of Abraham, he says here. So that's what Jesus is doing. He's helping. He's giving help to us to come back to God. But did you catch that statement right there? It said, he does not give help to who? He gives help to us. He doesn't give help to angels. Because angels already knew God. The spirit beings, they were already standing in the presence of God's glory and majesty. Nobody lied to them. Nobody deceived them. They knew exactly what they were getting into. We've never seen glory and majesty What do we know of holy? What do we know of spiritual? We are formed out of the physical earth. Dust in the wind. All we are is dust. That's true. That's literally true. We're dust in the wind. And that's what Jesus chose to become. That's his status as a son of man, a servant, obedient unto death. And that's why all things are not yet subject to him. It wasn't his plan to come and make all things subject to him yet. Right now what he's doing is he's helping people come to salvation and he's acting as a merciful and faithful high priest who makes propitiation. What? Propitiation. Verse 17. He had to be made like his brethren in all things that he might become merciful, faithful, high priest in all things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people for since he himself was tempted in all which was, has, he has suffered, he is able to come and aid those who are tempted. Well, propitiation is a weird word, but it's a Greek, it comes from the Greek word hilaskomine. It means appeasement, doing something to make things right, uh, paying off. That's a good way to say it, paying off. We by ourselves, we can do nothing to appease God. There's nothing we can do to pay off our sins, but Jesus can and he is both the, get this now, he is both the sacrifice and he is the high priest who brings the sacrifice to God. So he sacrifices himself and then he rises from the dead and then he brings himself the living sacrifice before God and says, this is my sacrifice for people's sins This is my obedience, and this is for all the people who trusted in me. And God says, well, that indeed is a perfect and acceptable sacrifice. And that's what Jesus is doing right now. If you will ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to save you, he will ask God on our behalf, and we will all be forgiven. And this is what we call the age of grace. God is not willing that any should perish, This is his promise, but all come to repentance, come to faith in Jesus and become the children of God. Why is Jesus not subjecting everyone and everything under his feet? Because once he steps up and claims his rightful rule over the earth, that grace stops and then the wrath and the judgment starts. And he's graciously and lovingly giving people, giving you a little more time a little bit longer, to come to faith. And you know what he's asking us to do? To act like him and to just love people and serve people, love God and love others, and hupotasso, be submissive. Satan and the fallen angels said, we will not serve, we will rule. Satan says to us, do what you wilt, serve yourselves. And that's what he's doing, but you know what? It's not going to work out for him in the long run. He's getting away with it now. But Revelation says one day he's going to be chained up. He's going to be thrown in a lake of fire for all of eternity. I don't want to follow him there. Do you? Jesus says, I will serve. I will die. And he says to those who believe in him, serve others. So if all things are going to be subject to Jesus, well, that really is supposed to start with us. Right? Right? We who said, I believe in you, Jesus, those of us who have been forgiven and have willfully chosen to be his disciples, we are supposed to be subject to Jesus. We are to follow our servant king. And I think... It would be better to obey him and submit and serve him now because when the time comes that he finally does show up and make everyone subject under his feet, we will already have our names proclaimed in the midst of the congregation of heaven as the children of God. And we will be the heir of all things. And I don't know about you, but that's my big retirement plan because you know what? They're destroying all of our wealth anyways. All your 401k is gonna be crap here in a little bit of time. Dollar's not not worth anything. But Satan's ruling it all. He's got control of everything. But one day, his tyrannical rule is going to be all over. And he and everything else is going to be subject to Jesus' feet. And Jesus is going to restore dominion back to us, which means I'm going to have my own piece of paradise and have a bunch of angels helping me out with that. I'm going to have to do any yard work. They're going to do all the mulching for me. Isn't that a great idea? (laughs) So that's how, so much better, amen? That's why we should choose to be subject to Jesus. Now, the cool thing about giving this, and I'm closing with this, I'm almost done, hang in here. The cool thing about giving this sermon to Faith Bible Church is, well, many of you already understand this. We had these two big piles of rocks out here in the parking lot. And they were just up there taking up all our parking. And then yesterday was tractor day. And uh, everybody showed up with their tractors and said, I'm going to move rocks. This is going to be so much fun. We got all the big boy toys out. And people just served on a Saturday, moving rocks around. Tommy, good job, buddy. You're out there moving rocks around. Uh, Nobody got paid for it. Just did it to serve the church as a way of serving the people of God. And uh, Bernard gets up last week and says, 20 children came to know Jesus through Child Evangelism Fellowship. You know, Child Evangelism Fellowship is staffed by volunteers from other churches and from our church. And uh, every time I turn around, uh, people are staffing ministries in this county and all over from Faith Bible Church. You're always doing all this stuff. And then we're always having fundraisers. There's always a fundraiser. Every time we turn around, look at your bulletin. There's probably like six fundraisers in there. And we need money to pay for the clubs and to have them in the public schools, to reach the children with the message of Jesus Christ. And it's not just CEF, but Unstoppable You, the stuff that they're doing. i uh, got two people that came out of homeless shelters and now have uh, homes to live in and have received Jesus. Northwest Haiti Ministries, you got a Christian school down there, transformed an the entire community with, the gospel and feeding hungry children in Haiti. The missions providing housing for homeless people. And they got a church down there ministering to people, helping them grow, and then they bus them up here for our to our celebrate recovery every week. And I'll be honest with you. Uh, all the stuff that's going on and all the fundraisers. And sometimes I think, man, we get too many fundraisers going on here and we're just, uh, we're just always in Faith Bible Church's pockets for more money. But then the Spirit reminds me, you know what? This is what Faith Bible Church does. We serve. Our goal is to proclaim the gospel until everyone believes. We have given over $100,000 to missions and outreach already this year, years half over. We've already done all that. All of this is happening because you get the concept, being a servant, you understand being subject to Jesus. So in conclusion, I'd just like to say, keep up the good work, Faith Bible Church. (laughs) It's totally worth the sacrifice. One day you're going to inherit the whole earth. Am I making that up? No. Jesus said, he promised the meek will will inherit the earth. We're going to rule and reign one day. Let's just keep building that kingdom And for anyone who's maybe here, and you're like, man, this guy's crazy, Um, and you're not serving Jesus yet, you know what? We'll help you out. We'll help you find him, and we'll help you find something to do. Come ask. Just listen to the announcements. Every week, we're giving you opportunities to get involved in building the kingdom. So, praise God he's doing this. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for these words of truth that inspire us, that we should understand how to be like you. What are you doing? You're serving us. You're standing there as our great high priest, making uh, advocacy for us, saving us from our sins, just healing us and cleansing us. And even today, we're going to see someone take that step of obedience to be baptized and to model and show that cleansing that we have in you. And we just pray that you will just keep uh, doing that in our midst, doing that in our homes and in our church and in our community and that we would reach out to tell people about your, your great love for us and we'll see many more people come to know you and we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.